And this is something that's going to be ongoing for a really long time. Why? Because we do not have the kingdom all figured out, do we? If we did, it would be manifesting in our lives in a very magnificent way. So that shows us that we don't know it yet. Do you ever find out that you can know something, but you aren't living it? And we don't want to learn about the kingdom, know about the kingdom, and then never produce anything in our life that manifests the kingdom here. Do you want the kingdom to manifest in your life? You're like, yeah, I think, but I don't really know everything about it yet. But if it's from God, I want it, right? So we're going to talk about God's original purpose for mankind. Some of this may be a duplication, but I'm telling you, you don't hear something one time and get it. I believe we don't hear it twice and get it. Sometimes we don't get it after multiple times of hearing it. Because the churches are not transformed. So, we're going to have to have a different perspective when you come to church, that we're not coming to church out of obligation, that we're not coming to church out of religion, because there's too many people that come to church on Sunday and Wednesday, and they've done their religious duty, and their lives are not transformed. It is just religion then. Because our lives should reflect Christ. That's what it's supposed to be here on the earth. Have you ever asked any um, questions like, why am I here? Anybody ever ask that question? Why was I created? Why did God put me on this earth? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What's my calling? What's, what's my destiny? What's, what's, what, what, what does God want to do in me and through me? Have you, have you asked yourselves those questions? I think we all have, don't you? And I believe that the kingdom and the teaching on the kingdom is going to give us such a relief to really understand why we're here, why God made us. And so it may seem like a basic word today, but I guarantee you it is the foundation. It's the foundation of where we're going and where God is taking the body of Christ and the revelation that he is bringing to us in the body of Christ. Amen? I'm going to take my gum out. Sorry about that. We're just kind of real, aren't we? It was like getting stuck up there in my mouth. So, Because whenever you get up here, sometimes your mouth gets really dry when you get nervous. And you're like gulping the water down and it doesn't help. So I thought, well, the gum would help, but it's just getting in the way. So I won't do that. Okay, we're going to talk about something first that is just just uh, laying a little foundation again about what a basic need in our life is on this earth and what every human 
what the basic need is for every human. And we're going to talk about what the common pursuit is for all humans. How many of you could tell me what you think the common pursuit is as a human? Can you give me any ideas of what you think it might be? The need to feel needed, significance. Hey, don't be too, you're looking at my PowerPoint there. Success. It is power. You're like, oh, I don't want power. No, no, I don't want power. Oh, wait. Let's see if you don't want power, okay? I'm not talking about tyranny like, like uh, Saddam Hussein over Iraq. That's tyranny. I mean, there is unjust and cruel punishment going on in that country, even without Saddam Hussein. It's better, praise God, since the United States of America has gone in there. But it was it was pretty pretty evil and wicked what was taking place and what he was doing to people to to control people and what he was doing to them. I'm not talking about oppression. When we went to Cuba, there is oppression in Cuba. Castro has the people oppressed so they can never better themselves. He has them, that government has them limited to what they can do. They get $8 a month from, I I can't remember how old they are, but they're given what they are to do the rest of their life. They don't, they don't get to choose. They're given. So one might get the blessing of working at the really nice hotel while others get something else that's not so good. And to own property there is very rare. Now, the pastor that we, we went to their house to have dinner when, when Pastor Eric preached there at their little church, they actually had um, land that they owned that before everything took place and communism was set in place and it was a lot freer country before they owned land, this would have been passed down. So for them to have land was amazing, but it was oppression. But in the midst of oppression, there was still vision. I mean, we went, we stopped by to get the loaf of bread, and they brought this bread unpackaged, went, I mean, it's just on this big stand outside, and they, they went and paid 50 cents for this loaf of bread, and 50 cents to them out of $8, I think they, they spent a lot to provide a meal for us. And they handed back this loaf of bread, and all I could think was, how many hands have been on this bread? And I should have just been going, thank God for the bread. And it was good, and I did eat it, and I said, God, protect (laughs) Protect me from all the germs. Amen? But oppression, this pastor, I mean, they began sharing with us the vision of what they wanted to build on this land. So in the midst of all that oppression, they still wanted to break out and do something different with their life. But that's not the kind of power that I'm talking about on oppression and tyranny. I'm talking about wanting to control and possess the ability to control your circumstances and situations. How many of you know that a lot of times our circumstances control us? We don't want them to. We really don't want them to. But they do. 
they end up controlling us. And because it's the lack of control over our daily lives, our situations and our circumstances that makes us feel helpless and like victims in our own lives. Have you ever felt like a victim in your own life with all the junk going on in your life? Anyone? For most of us, life is simply a daily struggle as we keep from sinking from all life's uncertainties, from all life's situations that come our way. At the same time, we feel like we're a slave to our circumstances and institutions in our society. If you've ever owed money and you didn't have the money to pay it and the institutions began calling, do you think you felt like an overcomer? Do you think you felt victorious? Do you feel, do you, did you feel like, I'm taking dominion? I'm ruling and I'm reigning when they were calling you for money. So the situation, the circumstance was ruling, they, it was really controlling us, right? So our desire for power to control our circumstances and environment is the motivation. One of the motivations, not the only, for our behavior. We strive to gain positions of influence in order to accumulate financial wealth. Did you know that money, sometimes we think, can't get any money. But let me tell you what money does. Money gives you options. Money gives you choices. That if you are broke over here, you don't have the same choice as someone that has some money. So, the lack of puts us in oppression and controls our circumstances. Money is not bad. God created our system with money. It's the love of money that causes us to do everything else to get it where it takes away our relationship with God. Then it becomes an idol in our life. And it's controlling us instead of us controlling it. But money gives us options. I guarantee you, we we have some friends that have a lot of money, and it has opened many doors for them. Have you seen that in, in people's lives? So the pursuit of power is taking dominion in our life. How many of you want to take dominion in your life? So let's talk about dominion. Let's see what dominion is. It means to rule, to reign. It's sovereignty. It's kingdom. It's to master. Do you guys remember a long time ago at the old church when we, when we taught a series on mastering your emotions? It's taking dominion over your emotions instead of your emotions taking dominion over you. It's kingly. Man was created with a dominion mandate over earth, giving him responsibility for representing the kingdom government God, kingdom government of God on the earth. That's our mandate. 
Mankind is heaven's earthly agency for kingdom rulership influence. Mankind is to take on the very nature of God in the earth and serve as his divine representative in the physical world. The creation and the commissioning of man was the first introduction and establishment of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Rather than God directly ruling, God chose from the very beginning to exercise his kingly authority on the earth through mankind to rule and reign and be his representatives in the earth. This is what we're called to do. This is our calling right here. He created us to rule, not to be ruled. Say that with me. God created me to, to rule, not to be ruled. Now, that doesn't mean you're rebellious, okay? Because God set an order of authority in the earth. God created this piece of real estate. Do you ever think of this, the earth just being this really big piece of real estate? It's one major big piece of real estate, isn't it? He created this piece of real estate called earth, and he created his spirit being children. You know, you think, spirit being children, that sounds like woo But that's what we are. We are his spirit being children. He took our spirit, and he placed it in a body in the earth. He wanted us to rule and reign. He, he gave us this earth to rule and reign and take dominion over. We were created for dominion. God is committed to his plan to mankind to dominate this planet on his behalf. Trapped inside every one of us is a dominion spirit crying for release, a dominion mandate waiting to be released in the earth. It's the natural spirit of dominion that causes us to naturally rebel against any attempt to dominate or control our lives or society. How many of you like to be controlled in a really negative way? How many of you like to be manipulated in a nice way? You know, it is in us to rebel against that because God created us to take dominion and authority in the earth to rule and to reign. And the body of Christ is not doing it. God is committed to his plan. You know why God's committed to his plan? That's right, Carolyn. It's his plan. If you had a plan, are you committed to your own plan? I guarantee you you're committed to your plan. Because when when it's from you and it's your heart and your passion, you are committed to it. So God's committed to his plan for mankind to dominate planet Earth on his behalf. Humans were not meant to live a life of complete control by others, and humans will always resist it. No matter where you look at, whether you look in South Africa or you look in Cuba or you look in Iran or Iraq, you can see that the people want out of that. They want out of that kind of control. At the same time, it's truly amazing to see how many kinds of things people, godly people, can allow to dominate them 
Let's read Genesis 1, 26 and 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He said it to them. Okay, this is before the fall of man. He said it to them. Women, you get to rule and reign and take dominion just like a man. It's he created them to subdue and rule the earth. Why does it seem like God's creation rules over us? Instead of us ruling over it. Have you ever had someone um, be ruled by some natural plant that is done in a wrong way? It's a plant that God said we're to rule and take dominion over. But many lives are destroyed and controlled by what is made out of a plant. Why? We're to take dominion. We're to rule over everything in the earth. Not one another, but everything in the earth. Why? To something you can smoke or shoot up or I don't know anything else to say because never done any of that, but something like that. Why does that control their life? Why does something that's made out of the juice from grapes or grains that's made for liquor ends up controlling people's lives. And we're to take dominion. We're to rule over that grain. We're to rule over that grape. That grape or that grain is not supposed to rule over us. There's other things, you know, like coffee and cigarettes and food. Is food made from grains, except for what man gets in there and makes fake stuff, you know? Is it made from grains? How? Is it made from something God has made? Okay, there we go. It's made from something that God has made in the earth that we're to rule over. So... Sometimes we end up being okay with drugs, alcohol, and, and illegal stuff, but we don't take dominion over the things like food. Hey, I know. I mean, this is, this is something a lot of us struggle with. But we're to take dominion and rule over all the earth. That's our mandate That's what you are called to do. You don't have to wonder what your calling is anymore. 
You don't have to try to figure it out. You are called to take dominion and walk in the authority and the rule that God gave us in the earth. What about the body of Christ? Um, Are they ruling over passions and desires? Uh, What about lust? What about pornography? Why is it so many believers are bound in pornography? It shouldn't be. The body of Christ, we've got to get our act together. Pornography opens the door for perversion in your life. It is out of order. It's out of order. It places images in your mind that you can't get rid of. It's wrong. It is wrong. And the enemy has so created it to be so secretive now. You can go to the hotel room and they'll have the the Playboy channels. The wife or the husband doesn't have to know. It is wrong. What is what is wrong with the body of Christ that they can't discern good and evil? There, it is called, everybody, if it feels good, I want to do it. There is no taking up your cross and dying to your flesh. That's what it is. It is flat. I don't want to say no to myself. I mean, it, it is simple, but yet it's a pretty major stronghold in a lot of lives. What about sexual relationships out of marriage? God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But he does have a covenant in his word for us to keep. Do you know that it's not about him saying, don't do this and don't do that and don't do that and don't do this? You know what he's doing? He's protecting us. The loving God, our loving God is protecting us from the consequences of sin. He's not saying, no, 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 no. He's saying, I just want you to say yes to my blessings. He wants to bless you, but he, he requires us. He requires great things from us. Homosexuality, abortion. I don't want anyone to feel condemned today. I want you to receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit that moves you to change. If you feel condemned, that is the enemy trying to get, condemn you, to make you feel worthless, to make you feel like I'm just so terrible because every one of us have issues. No one can cast the first stone. No one is free from sin but Jesus. 
don't receive condemnation, but let it move you to change your life. You know, abortion is just absolutely selfishness. I mean, that's what it all comes down to selfishness. This baby is an inconvenience. It doesn't work out in my plans right now. This would be too difficult in my life to deal with a baby. Too much responsibility. The choice, you know, pro-choice is good on that the choice is made to not have sex. That's the choice. So it's, it's choice, but it's not in the choice to kill the baby. It's the choice to be abstinent. I mean, married people have killed their babies, so... It's valuing life because God created life. Then we have some other things. I know you're like, ah! I promise I'm going to get off of it, but you know what? I'm telling you, if you don't hear it and do something about it, we are never going to change because you can go isolate yourself somewhere and you can say, I don't want to hear that, and... Your life will never be what God wants it to be. Because you won't tell yourself the hard stuff. I'm telling you, deception can come in big time when you're dealing with stuff to try to justify your life. Selfishness, anger, rage, violence, jealousy. Strife, bitterness, unforgiveness, didn't have this one, but lying and cheating, pride, backbiting, gossip, filthy language coming out of the mouths of believers. It ought not be. You have to make a choice. You may work with people that every other word is a cuss word. You're going to have to ask God to protect you from what your ears are having to hear. The Bible says that when you hang around with people with bad morals, it will corrupt you. So you better be hanging out with those that have good morals so they can bless you. Don't think that you're going to go off with a group that is not holy and you're going to win them over for Jesus. I'm going to win them for Jesus. I'm telling you, Satan will have you in a trap. And he will set it off. And he's got you. And he's got your, his hook in you. That's what he does. He, he plays the trap in good and does his evil. It looks good. But it ends up destroying your life.
cuss words. That's just lack of self-control. God says that life and death are in the power of our tongues. What we choose to come out of our words is our choice. And out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. If they come out, they're in your heart. Are your toes okay? Remember, conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And if you'll submit to that and repent and turn away and, and, and say, I have covenant with God. If you did not hear that message on covenant by Dr. Jerry King, you get that. And it's Sunday morning, Sunday and Monday of Dr. Jerry King's, you get that because it was powerful. The church, God wants us to take dominion, rule the earth, but we can't even take dominion in our own lives. See, we have a personal, we have a lot of personal problems and it is what has held back the church from advancing the kingdom in the earth. That is what has held us in bondage. We've allowed the enemy to come in on, in a lot of different areas, and we've just said, one day I'll get it together. One day I'll get my act together, and I'll get this out of my life, and I'll get this out of my life. And, and one day doesn't come. When we love God, the Bible says we obey his commands. So how can we say we love God, but we struggle in wanting to obey his word? So really, we, it's like we love God to make sure that we're saved. God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but I don't really want to clean any of this up. I just want to love you for salvation, you know. But I don't want to crucify my flesh. And then we wonder why so many people go to the grave and have never fulfilled what God planned and purposed them to do by taking dominion and ruling and reigning on the earth. We talked about greed. We talked about the love of money, but greed. You know what happens is we get new things, and we really didn't have the finances to get the new things, but we wanted them. And then the things end up having us. Then we have to work more hours. We have to do this because we really weren't in a financial place to get it, but we wanted it. So then you get in financial bondage on wanting the things. So not only do the things have you, then the lack of money causes strife. And it is a vicious cycle that happens in people's lives. It's an evil thing that we fall in. You know, the enemy doesn't have to come up with a lot of new ideas. Did you know that? Because for thousands of years, we've fallen for the same old stuff he's thrown our way. So he doesn't have to be real creative because it just works. We can, he, he's easy to set the trap for offense. 
he's easy to set the, the, the trap for unforgiveness and rage and anger and selfishness and all those things. Why do we keep falling for it? Because somewhere we have not totally made that covenant decision with God to say, God, I am living for you all the days of my life. There's too much compromise in the body. You know, we can... I I know I don't love sports, but a lot of you love sports. And I know this is probably one of those sacred cows things. Going to the lake, recreation, got to go have fun. You know what? Fun and recreation is awesome. There's nothing evil in that. There's nothing wrong with sports. But when they have you, then there's something wrong. When it's out of balance and your intimacy with God is challenged, then they have you. So you only you can evaluate, but sometimes your evaluation is skewed because you want it. Am I making any sense? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying that sports is bad. I'm not saying that going to the lake and having fun is bad. But when it interferes with your relationship, and I'm not talking about just coming to church because it's, you know, it is more than coming together and gathering as a body of believers. If it's just about that, then it is just religion. And I don't, it's not about that. It's not about religion. We're coming together to build one another up, to help one another, to be there for one another, to strengthen one another, to help you grow in the things of God, to tell you things that you wouldn't tell yourself. That's why we're coming together. We're not coming together to say, I went to church today. I went to church Wednesday. I think it's important because we're not dominion-minded enough in the garden God didn't say, here's a, here's a church, Adam and Eve, for you to go to. He was the church. He, he was the intimate thing that they needed. But we're not there. So we need to gather together as believers. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling together of one another. Because he knows what can happen when you isolate yourself and you get away from here. You will not advance in the kingdom of God. It's hard enough to advance when you come. Would you agree? So don't think that, oh, I can't miss. I mean, it's, it is staying in balance of what God wants to bring into your life. Does that make sense? I don't want you to take some of this stuff and twist it and say, well, I'm never supposed to come to church again. That's not what I'm saying. We need one another. We need to be there as iron sharpens iron to be there for each other. You know, the Bible says when you see your brother sin, to go to him. Has anybody read that scripture? 
I think most of the time people get mad when you point out what they're doing wrong, even when you're trying to do it in as much love, they really don't want to hear what they're doing wrong. Anybody ever experienced that? In Genesis 3, we read about the encounter of mankind with the devil, and we see that the goal of the attack was to drive man from the garden of relationship with God in heaven, resulting in the loss of the kingdom of heaven on earth. What did he do? He came after relationship. Would you say that the enemy's always coming after relationship? He is always trying to do something to break relationship with one another. Whether he's bringing um, accusations, like Pastor Eric preached on the accuser of the brethren, whether he's bringing offense, the enemy is always trying to break relationships because that is the core of God. That's why God put us here, created his spirit children beings here on this earth to rule, reign, take dominion on the earth, and to have relationship, direct relationship with him. So anytime a relationship is being strained, you better know that the devil is the culprit that you're going to have to stand against. It's not that person, right? Because the Bible says that what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in high places. That's where our warfare is. But many times, because that person is the one we're looking at, they are the ones we can end up being upset with. And we've displaced where we should be mad at. It's out of place. It's the wrong place. It should be directed at the enemy in his kingdom. Man did not lose a religion or heaven, but man lost a kingdom. That's what Adam lost. But we have a choice to walk in it or not. We have a choice to follow the original mandate that God set in motion. In God's restoration and redemptive program, heaven would not be his primary focus or goal for man. but rather the redemption, the restoration, and the reestablishment of his kingdom on the earth. This would be the principal purpose and assignment of the promised Messiah Jesus to connect man back to God's original intent, his kingdom in the earth through man. Ever since this tragic cosmic calamity of man's rebellion, against his heavenly, earthly kingdom. I mean, heavenly kingdom government, sorry. Religion has been man's vain attempt to return to God's presence or to compensate for the loss. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about a religion that has no power, no life, just traditions and control. There's no transformation of lives. 
There's no relationship being developed between the believer and God through the gathering together of one another as iron sharpens iron. So religion represents every activity of mankind in its self-centered search for God and the kingdom, whether through Scientology, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Unitarianism, atheism, or any other ism or philosophy about religion. It is, religion is a false sense of searching for something. If we're in the kingdom and we know our original intent, we don't have to search through religion. Does that make sense to you? That's why they're not ever finding what they're searching for. There's only one solution to the problem. There's no substitute that'll work. There's no drug. There is no alcohol. There is no relationship with others. There's no food. There is no career. And there is no amount of money that can solve that problem. There's no substitute for the kingdom of God and the earth. And that's why nothing else will ever satisfy. Only the kingdom of God advancing in the earth through his children by ruling, reigning, taking dominion can satisfy mankind. Because that is why God created us. To have relationship with him. And out of that relationship, that personal, intimate relationship with God, dominion rule comes. It's just a natural result of relationship with your father God. So what we have to do is we have to challenge our personal, intimate relationship with God. If we're not seeing the kingdom advance, how intimate are we being with God? How much are we allowing him into our lives? I guarantee you, the more intimate we are with God, sin falls off of us. You can't be in his presence just to love your father God and him not do a work in you. Why? Because he loves you. He made you out of his love. It's a natural effect. So you examine your you're intimate. Well, I, I, I say these prayers and I do this. No. How much are you giving over to God in your life? How much are you yielding every area? How much are you taking dominion and authority and rule over everything in your life that doesn't line up with his word? God means self-existing one or self-sufficient one. I'm on slide 16 if you're trying to find it, Marty. It describes a being that needs nothing or no one to exist. I can't answer you how God just always existed. By faith, he did. Therefore, God is not just his name. It's who he is. It's his characteristics. It's his nature. God existed before all things. His creative process 
by first producing the entire invisible world, which we've come to know as the supernatural world. This act of creation initiated the concept of ruler. See, before, when God just was, okay, by himself, God was. There was no kingdom for him to rule over. He was creator. He was the ultimate creator. But he hadn't created the invisible supernatural world yet. And once he created the invisible supernatural world, then he was, that was the kingdom there of that invisible kingdom there that he was ruler over. Does that make sense? So that's, that began the kingdom of the invisible. Now the ruler over a created invisible realm, he was king over that in, invisible realm that we call heaven. And so he became the king over the domain of heaven. So if you look at king dumb, you have a domain that this king rules over, right? So it is the king's domain, which is kingdom. And you have to have a domain to rule over before you can be king, right? I had a discussion with my, my, my mother about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was established in the invisible because nothing is going to come into the natural without it being in the unseen first, right? So the kingdom of God was in that invisible world. And so he says, I'm going to create a visible kingdom. Now, that was created a long time ago, right? That was the first establishment of the kingdom of God. But when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they lost the kingdom here on the earth. Not the kingdom of heaven where God resides. Can't lose that. But the kingdom that was created on the earth after he created man and placed him in the garden and said, take dominion, rule, reign, be kings of the earth, be my ambassador, be my representative. That was violated at the time that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was eaten from. So the whole process was then bringing Jesus, God, in human form into the earth to bring back what was lost, the kingdom. See, as we walk in the kingdom of God and we are advancing in the kingdom of God, salvation is a fruit of that. It just happens through that covenant we've made with God. But his purpose was 
to get back what was lost in the garden, and that was the kingdom, dominion, rulership. Because then at that time, it was taken over by an illegal government, Satan. And things changed. But, amen? Don't you love the buts in the Bible? (laughs) Okay. It's 11 o'clock. And I have multiple pages left. So, this is what we're going to do. I get to preach again while Eric's gone to Africa. So, instead of making you sit here and you'll be going... I know that we shouldn't be doing that when we're kingdom, but I know that you're not there yet, where you just like, uh, who was it with, when it was a Peter that was preaching and the guy fell out of the window because he just preached all night long? It was Paul. And they had to raise him from the dead because he fell out of the window, right? That's some pretty kingdom people. I think we got a pretty good example there to look at. How many of you are are hearing this, getting this, understanding God's original intent here? So I just want you to stand up and